So today we want to complete our series on our vision and mission for the church, and that is connecting people to their mission. We have a three-part vision for our church, connecting people to God, connecting people to each other, and connecting people to their mission. And Pastor Jordan last week talked about connecting people to each other. The important thing that we have about connecting as people and becoming a body of Christ. And the third part of our series is today, connecting people to their mission. What is it that we are supposed to be doing and how can we as a church help people connect to what their mission is? And first of all, I want to ask you, if you had a choice in life, and I'm asking more of a general question for people, if you could have a life of work or a life of leisure, which would you pick? I think if you ask a lot of people, they would say, I'd like to just sit around a lot. If I had a choice, I had a very good friend that we were, we were I, we have this group of friends I used to have when I lived in Minneapolis, that we'd get together and we would go camping, and we'd be around a campfire and be like, what is your dream? What is your excitement? What do you, my, one of my friends, actually, really good friends said, I just like sitting on the couch and doing nothing. It's like the greatest feeling that I have in my life. And we all looked at him and like, you're joking? He goes, no, that's the greatest feeling ever. But I think there's this kind of thing that, you know, someday we'll get to do nothing. Someday it's exciting to not do anything. It's not, and there's nothing wrong with rest, but I'm talking about a complete life of leisure, a complete life of this. But, and, and a lot of people would say this would be the perfect world. In fact, you see a lot of utopians in the future, they'll have these societies where machines do all the work and, and people, whether it's the Jetsons, it makes me old to remember the Jetsons, but you had a maid who came in and cleaned up your room and you had all this done for you and you just basically had to sit around and push a button and things would happen. Is that, the, is that, the perf, is that perfect for us? Well, I'm going to tell you this way. We, from the Bible, today we're going to take a fun little tour through the Bible. We're going to start with the beginning and go to the end. We're going to be here for four days, but it's going to be a lot of fun. We're not going to be here for four days. But uh, doing a little something a little different today, kind of taking a scan of what it is that how God created us to how, God, how we're going to be in heaven and in between. So we start out with, we were created to work a mission. We see two states of perfection in the Bible. Two things were absolutely perfect, and one was the Garden of Eden. And the other one was heaven. And so what did people do in the Garden of Eden? So God created the Garden of Eden for Adam and Eve. And in the Garden of Eden, we had everything was there for them. The food was there. Everything they needed was there. Uh, the animals were nice to them. There was no killing. There was no nothing like that. Um, everything was set up. Everything was beautiful. And in fact, when God looked at it, in Genesis one thirty one, it says, God saw everything that he had made, and behold, it was very good. Now, I've preached about this before. I called it the Tony the Tiger effect. Does anybody remember Tony the Tiger? It's not good. It's great. Okay, maybe that, again, does that age me? Anybody under 20 understand what I'm talking about? Anybody? Anybody? Okay. Trust me, it's like, well, it's not good. You know, if you come up to somebody and say, I had a date with that person, you say, how was it? It was good. That's not, the girl's not going, wow, I got a good you know, it's, it's not really what we do. But we need to understand, in God's eyes, good is the highest standard there is. He just says it's good. In fact, he uses the word very in front of it. And if you study this word, it means 
exceptional and the highest standard. There is nothing higher than what he is saying. He is saying everything around you is good. Everything is good. Everything that you touch is good. You touch a plant, it's not poison ivy. It's actually a good thing. Okay? You walk around, everything is good. All of creation is good. And so it's important that we see this situation and we have a situation that is perfect and the best standard that God can make was the Garden of Eden. And you know what? That's where we were intended to be forever. We were never supposed to leave that. Now, when you see a picture of the Garden of Eden, there's two things that you will see. First of all, you will see some very intricately placed leaves. Okay, always. Except for medieval photos. I'm just letting you know. You type in, they don't worry about the, the leaves for the uh, Adam and Eve, okay, to cover up certain areas. So, but you also will always see them sitting around. Okay, maybe at the very most, I did a study on this. I was looking at this, and, and at the very most, you might see them reaching out to pick an apple. I mean, that's their workload for the day. And you say to yourself, oh, it must have been great. All you did was sit there. I got some pictures of them. They're sitting by the edge of the river, just sitting there like this, you know, doing, just doing nothing. And that was kind of the ideal. But actually, this was never God's plan. This is perfection now. And what does God say in Genesis 2.15? The Lord God took the man, which was Adam, and put him in the Garden of Eden to work it and keep it. Do you realize that? In perfection, God gave Adam a job. And because we were created to have a mission. We were created to work. We were never created to sit around and do nothing. That has never been the plan. Whether you're uh, uh, small or up to your, your last breath, we were never created to do nothing. I've talked to people that have been uh, in, in bed and can't move, and they'll tell me, all I can do is pray. And I'm saying, all you can do? What a great gift you have. Everybody says, I didn't have the time to pray before. God, maybe during a time of sickness, you have time to pray now. So there's always a mission that we have. And in perfection, there was a mission. Well, then, let's go to the future. Let's go to heaven and the new earth. And for this, I thought I'd go to somebody that's near and dear to our heart this week. I looked at Billy Graham's book, it was sad to see him die this week, but what a legacy that he's left for all of us. My son goes to Northwestern, and he was the president of Northwestern. And my son, every day, eats in the Billy Graham Center. They call it the Billy. He says, I'm going to the Billy. I'm like, where are you going? But that's where they eat every day, because Billy Graham used to be president of his school. So it's an important connection here, even to Minnesota. But Billy Graham was asked this question in his book. Will we, have to, will we have work to do in heaven or will we just sit around and do nothing? And I'm listening to this question and I'm thinking to myself, I don't want to read too much into this, but I think the person's hoping, do nothing, do nothing, do nothing. Can I just have that feel right there, okay? And, and Billy Graham responds and he says, God never intended people to be idle and unproductive on earth or in heaven. And he says, heaven is about serving, he quotes Revelation 22.3 that says, The throne of God and the Lamb will be the city, and the servants will serve him. And he even talks about John 5.17 that says, Jesus has always been at work, my Father is always at work, and God has always been at work from the beginning. God never stops working. 
And then he goes further just to say, when we receive our heavenly bodies, we will also work and not grow weary, and we will have rest. Could you imagine being able to work and not be tired? How wonderful that would be. One of the hardest things about work is because of the fall. Because of the fall, because of the fact that we're aging, because of the fact that we're afflicted by the fall and sin, we have this. Now, I read another book by Billy Graham, and I could not find it, where he did a speculation. And don't quote me on this because I could not find the exact quote, but it's too good not to share. Where he said, it could be as exciting, he said, because he also has a theory about other planets. He said, what if God said, I've got another whole world for you to evangelize, and I'm going to send you out as evangelists. And I thought to myself, well, that's a fun, I'm, I'm all for that idea. He says, but the work never ends because you were never intended to stop working. So the ideal at the beginning, the ideal at the end, both have a mission for you. God is always at work. Remember that. He intended us to be at work. We live in a world where work can be tougher because of the fall. But this is going to continue for eternity. Our task never ends. Second thing we need to understand about this is God has given the church a mission. And it's called the Great Commission, but there's important things you'll see in this too. Matthew 28, 18 to 20. And Jesus came and said to them, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you, and behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. The other verse I want to talk about real quick was the one we used for connecting people to God. Remember when we talked about the reconciliation that God wants to do? Remember who he gave that to? In verse 18 in 2 Corinthians 5, he said, God through Christ reconciled us to himself and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That is, God, Christ God was reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against them, and entrusting to us, everybody here, the message of reconciliation. So in other words, God has given the church, which is made up of all the individual people here. This is not just like the people to the right have this job. The people to the left do not have this job. The people in the middle are subs. They go in when they're needed. Okay? That's not the way it works. He says all have this. And if you look back at the Great Commission, there's a few things you need to understand. First of all, it comes back to that same thing. If you look at the very end, God is with us always to the end of the age. This mission that God has given us is his mission. God's mission is to reach the lost and his method is is to work through us and to give us that mission. And I think that's very important that we understand that, that he is the one that's in charge. And it's also important to understand when it comes to evangelism that we are all not, we are all not the same. Everybody that came here today did not dress exactly the same. We would look kind of funny, okay, if everybody dressed the same. You go, you go different places, people have different styles, people have different vehicles out there, there's some trucks out there, there's some small vehicles, we have different taste in music, we have different taste in reading and art and things like that. God created every one of us different, but we all have the same mission. And if we all have the same mission to reach 
people for Christ, we all have a different way of doing it. Mark Middleberg in the book Contagious Christian, which we've taught here and I want to teach again, talks about six different ways that you can be uh, an evangelist for Christ. One is the confrontational, and that's kind of the, the, what the pastor does. The pastor gets up and says, you must be saved. And it talks about Peter in Acts 2. That's not true for a lot of people, where they're a preacher and they call people and they say, you need to be saved right now. Another one is intellectual and philosophical. Maybe you're the person that just answers questions for somebody when they're struggling with something. Okay? Like at, when Paul did, when he, went to the, um, when he went to Athens and answered their questions. Another one I think is a big one for a lot of people is the testimonial. People say, I have nothing to say about my faith. I don't know how to share my faith. You know what the biggest thing you have to share about your faith is your faith. Tell them what happened to you. Tell them what God has done for you. The testimonial is the blind man in John chapter 9. I love that. He's talking to the Pharisees, and he's just been healed. And what does he keep telling them? You guys may argue with what this guy's all about. My eyes work now. Okay? You can't argue with my eyes working. They didn't work before. Met guy. Works now. Good testimonial. You, and some of the testimonial can be, you knew me before. You know what God has done in my life now. This is God. Okay? That can be the testimony. Another one, and I know some people that are very good at this, the invitational. Basically, it's the woman at the well. What did she say to her friends? Jesus came and spoke to her, and, her, and the thing that came to her was, I'm going to go tell my friends to come and see. Come and see. Come to church and find out. Come with me, and we'll do this together. And the la- there's another one called serving, where we just do gifts of service. And uh, Tabitha, or Dorcas, was the one who did this. She was a disciple that served all kinds of people and brought people to Christ. And last one is just things that God does through, through us. If you're signs and wonders, if you're, at tr- if you're at school, or if you're at work, or you're at home, and you pray for somebody and God heals them, you don't have to say much. They're like, What? Guy, not, guy needed healing. You prayed for him. He was healed. And you can just say, God. What's the answer for that? God. Can I learn about him? Maybe you want to come and see. Maybe there's a combination there. But God wants to use all different methods for this. But I think it's also important to understand, if you go back to Matthew 28, that God has given us a mission to not make converts to, his, to the kingdom but to make disciples. He says very clearly, go therefore and make disciples. If you are a disciple of somebody, you are a follower, you are a committed person, you are somebody that needs to be trained, you are somebody that has somebody come alongside you. It's having a mentor with you all the time. If you get saved in our church, the mission of our church is not to say, congratulations, you got saved, let us know if there's any issues. It's what can we do to help you? And he says, also teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. There's a lot of teaching that must take place. There's a lot that takes place with disciples. When you first start out on a job, think about your first job. Or maybe the job you have right now, how you didn't know anything about what you were doing. You had no clue. And it was so helpful when somebody actually told you what to do that was nice about it and came up to you and said, no, 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 here's how you do that. 
And I, or my, my favorite story was when people would come up to me, you have two kinds of people that want to help you. The first are the people that want to just give you a hard time. Like, pfft, stupid. Why can't you do that? And then it's always funny when that person does that, you ask their supervisor, and like, yeah, that person was the biggest idiot on that. But he just wants to give you a hard time. But the other kind of person comes up to you and goes, I know exactly what you're talking about. I stood exactly where you were right now, and I was lost. I had no idea what to do. I had no clue how to handle this, and this is how I handled it. And that is what we are called to do as a church. Make disciples, teach them about Christ, and bring them, bring them into a discipleship journey with Jesus Christ. The next thing it's important to understand is that we, God has a place for each individual in the church. Notice in 2 Corinthians 5, it comes back to us. The biggest thing that we like to do is do the them, or do the they have that job, or we like to specialize, or we like to pay somebody to do it. No, it is us. We have a mission in the church, and everybody has that mission. Now, one of my favorite things, people will talk about this. They will say, I have um, gifts, but they're not anything the church can use. And one of my favorite stories is about the natural abilities that God has given everybody here. Some of you here can do things that baffle me. Okay, The fact that you can look at an engine and make it do something baffles me. Never been able to understand it. And you say, engines are easy. The fact that you can, you can do certain acts, the fact that for some of you in the medical industry, the fact that you can see blood squirting and you're like, we should make that stop. Instead of going, ah, blood, run, run. You know, I think that's a reaction a lot of people have. And fainting and things like that. That's a God-given gift. I've, you know, what if you have the ability to sing? What if you have the ability to, um, to just listen there are people, you know, I, I've struggled with this myself. I, maybe it's because I'm a pastor and we all like to talk and people give us a mic every week. But, you know, when people are talking, I'm waiting to see what I'm going to say. Anybody else struggle with that? It's like, you know, I, yeah, Jacob, we both of us. It's just like, why don't they get done so I can tell them the real important thing? But there are some people that are just wonderful listeners. And that's a gift. Some people can talk to anybody. Some people can, can do construction work and actually have it stand up when they're done. And you may say, that's just obvious. No, you've never seen my construction. Okay? Things that I do, they, they sometimes stand up. And if I have help and God's blessing. Okay? It, it's just true. But uh, favorite story is Exodus 31. And this is talking about natural abilities that God has given us. It says, the Lord said to Moses... See, I have called by name Bezalel, the son of Uri, son of Hur, of the tribe of Judah. And I have filled him with the Spirit of God. Realize that God has given him this gift, whether from birth or whatever, with the ability and intelligence, with knowledge and all craftsmanship, to devise artistic designs, to work in gold, silver, and bronze, in cutting stones for setting and in carving wood, to work in every craft. And behold, I have appointed with him Oholiab, the son of Ahismach, of the tribe of Dan, and I have given to all able men uh, 
ability that they may make all that I have commanded you. In other words, when we talk about giftings and what we've been done, it may be the fact that you can fix something. It may be the fact that you have this gift to maintain something. It may be the fact that you have a strong back that can shovel snow. It may be the fact that you can say hi to somebody and just greet them. It is, it's a natural gift that we all have. Every one of you has something special about you because God made you that way. And then there's also the spiritual giftings that we have. These are above and beyond. These are things that come from a spiritual sense when we are filled with the Spirit that God gives us to. 1 Corinthians 12, 4 through 7 talks about them this way. Now there are varieties of gifts, but the same Spirit. And there are varieties of service, but the same Lord. And there are varieties of activities, but it is the same God who empowers them all and everyone. To each is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. Let's just talk about that for a minute. God gives his Spirit to the church, and with his Spirit, he empowers individual people to do things. He empowers them to have the gift of helps, to have the gift of serving, to have the gift of tongues and interpretation, to have the gifts of prophecy. There's all kinds of things. And Paul says he doesn't want to give the complete list. There's not a complete list of all the things that God gives. And throughout the Bible, we'll see that the Holy Spirit came upon them. There's an example in the Old, in the Old Testament, one of my favorite ones, where the musicians prophesied through their instruments. When God came upon the musicians, and they started to play as prophecy to the people. So in other words, God can come upon anyone at any time to use your natural gifts or something that is really not your natural gift. I've seen people that have absolutely zero natural gifting in public speaking. Get up under the power of God. There's no other way of putting it. Get up and deliver a testimony that has caused the whole place to shake. And you know, when they were done with their testimony, they still didn't have the ability to publicly speak. They probably went back to their chair and went, what did I just do? God did that. Okay? So it's important that we understand that we each have a variety. And it's important that we have varieties. We are not the church of the helpers. We are not the church of the givers. We are not the church of this. We all have different gifts. And the God who empowers us, the same God empowers them all and everyone. All of us who have gifts get it from the same God, and they're all for the common good. If, and it goes on further in this, and if you look in Romans also, I can't summarize it all, but saying you need everything. When I was in, I, I might have shared this story, but I feel like I need to share it again because it, it's, it's still a painful memory. When I was at our general council in, uh, in California this summer, I got up in the middle of the night, kicked my toe on the edge, my little toe on the edge of something, and ripped off my little toe nail. Okay? And you say to yourself, what do you need a little toenail for? <laughs> totally irrelevant to your life. That whole time I had to walk miles and miles and miles of some of the most painful walking I've ever had for that little piece of toenail that came off. And I said, man, I really missed that toenail. And that toenail, if it could talk back, said, well, you didn't miss me before. You know, I don't know. It's probably a little too much, sir. But sometimes we think, well, all we need is a good head, or all we need is this, or we need that, or we need this. 
every little piece. And if it's not working in your body, the whole example here, if that's not working in your body, if everything's not in line, you hurt some little piece of your body, we need every person on the mission because everybody here has a different natural gifting and a different spiritual gifting. The reason that our mission is to connect people to their mission, the reason that we had the 301 class this morning where we went through the mission of every individual person, the reason we want everybody to be a part of that, you need to find out what gifts you have, how God has given them to you, and how they can be used to bring forth the body. You've all been given a task as a church. Now the last thing is, the church is responsible, and this is where we kind of take up our mission statement, to prepare the workers of the mission. It says in Ephesians four eleven through 12, And he gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds and teachers, to equip the saints for the work of ministry, for the building up of the body of Christ. So here's what happens. God says, let's start from the beginning, God has given us all a mission. Everybody who was born, God says, I have a mission for you. Then he gives the church that mission and says, we're all supposed to be a part of the church. Then he says, every individual in that church has a distinct gift or ability that bring to that mission. And then he says, it's the church's responsibility through the leadership and through the structure of the church to help every single person Find their individual mission. That's the job. That's why I'm a pastor. That's why Pastor Jordan's a pastor. That's why we have other leaders in the church. It's our job to help you find what God wants you to do. And this is one of the scariest parts because I think more and more in churches, especially in larger churches, what happens because they have the ability, we decide that we'd rather pay somebody to do the mission than do the mission ourselves. We'd rather pay for somebody to come on board and say, well, we don't want to do the work of the church. We want to pay somebody to do the work of the church. Hey, at a certain level, we need to pay for people that can be here more often. The book of Acts talks about the example where the widows were being ignored and the apostles had to appoint people to take care of that and the apostles were off to the side doing a different thing. There has to be that time. But it's very important that the biggest chunk of the church work needs to be done by the church body as a whole. Not the pastors, not three people that are really, really tired, but they're the only people that say yes when the pastor calls. Okay, It is all of us are in this together. All of us are needed to make the church go forward. All of us should be looking for opportunities at all times. And the pastors and the leaders need to be equipping the saints for the work of the ministry. We need to make sure that through coming to church on Sunday, coming to church on Wednesday, coming to church whenever, that we are equipping you to do the job that you have. The first mission that we need to equip you for is your mission that starts the moment you leave this building. The moment you leave this building, you know that you are on mission. Okay, we should have like a mission, you know, impossible theme playing as you leave the church. Dun, dun, dun. No, I won't do that for you. But, you know, it's just like you, should you accept this mission? And just, you're out there. Because the world is dying and going to hell. Let's just be very honest. What we saw this last week with the shooting, that's just plain evil. 
That's this world. It's evil. And they need Jesus Christ. Our mission, if we're not doing it, first of all, God wants to do it. He is doing it. He wants to use us to do it. There are kids that are just screaming out for help. Where are we? Are we going to be there for them? Are we going to reach out to them? There are neighbors. There are coworkers. There are family that are in need of Jesus. And how can we equip you as a, as a church but to give you the knowledge of the Scripture, to give you the power through prayer, to give you the relationships, the knowledge of God, or the connection to God, the connection to each other, to help you become the witness you're supposed to be. But also, inside the church. Remember, once we get somebody inside the church, once we get somebody to become a, a, a part of the church, there is a discipleship process, and there is a teaching process. Right now, my favorite group of people in churches, and sometimes I don't like it. Well, I'm not going to say my favorite. That's, yeah, cut that. Don't put that on the tape. Um, because, well, a group that I think doesn't understand their importance is our senior citizens. Because what I learned is that if you are my age, which is right around 50, um, really coaching 50 really fast, um, you are, when you see a young person, they look at you and say, that's one of my parents. I don't want to talk to them. But if you bring somebody in with gray hair that's older, they look at them and say, oh, grandma, grandpa, I like them. And they'll listen to them. But they won't listen to somebody younger. And sometimes we, we have to understand the fact that there's mentoring that needs to happen. When somebody new isn't saved, we need to have relationships that are built within the church connecting to each other where we bring people along in their faith so that they can know what it means to be a follower of Jesus Christ. You can bring them through. You can tell them the examples, what you've done and what you haven't done that has been good. And you can teach them everything that they need to know. But I think the last thing of the, of the Great Commission we need to emphasize God is with us every step of the way. God is leading the charge. We're following him. In other words, you know how when you pray, if this is God's will, I'd like to see this person saved? You can cut the first part. You really can. If it's God's will that my brother is saved, it's God's will your brother is saved. I will just tell you from the Bible, read it to you, God's will for everybody who's saved, boom, go. If it's God's will for my school to be more, more committed to Christ, yep, God's will right there. You can just start moving. If it's God's will for more people in this church to grow in their faith, absolutely, that's in the Bible too. So we need to understand that that's what we are called to do. So remember, we were called to be Christians. We were called to be followers of Christ, and we were called for a mission from the moment God created Adam and Eve, we were called. And God has given us a mission for the church. And God has given us all different gifts. It's up to us to say, God, use me. You have a goal for the city of Bemidji. You have a goal for the 62,000 in the 30-mile radius of here. What is it that you want me to do to help the, help the church find the mission do what you have called us to do to see thousands and thousands of people saved. And you know what? If the thousands and thousands of people fill up the other churches in town, we're for that. So we're not like, oh, you got saved and then you went to the Baptist church. Well, that's not acceptable to us. No, if you get saved and they go to the Baptist church, yay for them. Yay for us. Okay? We're all in this together. So 
I want you to stand with me right now. And if our prayer ministers could come forward. If you're here today and you have never accepted Jesus Christ, maybe somebody used the evangelistic tool of inviting you to say, come and see. It's very clear. Jesus wants to be the leader of your life. He wants to be the Lord of your life because your other, the other answer is the God of this world or the Prince of Darkness is the God of your life. You say, no, 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 what about the one where I get to run my own life? No, that one doesn't exist. The Bible is very clear. You're either with God or you're with the enemy. And if you want to be freed, God will set you free. The enemy wants to imprison you. God wants to set you free. If you've got sin in your life and you're walking around with guilt, God wants to set you free and forgive you for your sins and declare you righteous. That's what he wants to do. But for the rest, and if you have that, and if you want to make that commitment, come and talk to one of our prayer ministers after the service. And if you're here today and you need prayer for anything else, come and talk to them. But for everybody else who's here, I want to emphasize, I want to see everybody here. And I'm going to make a big plug, but our, our growth track that we are offering in the morning, I want to see you. I want to saying I want to find my giftings. I want to find a spot in the church. You know why? If God puts you in the place that he's called you, guess what that's going to bring to your life? Joy. Your that if your goal if your mission in life that God has given you is to change a diaper in the nursery. And he may say I'm so happy I don't have to do that anymore. Okay? Whenever I'm at Target, I'll admit it. I see another family buying diapers, and I'm one of those parents who goes, oh, thank God. <laughs> I don't do that anymore. Okay. But if God says, John, go work in the nursery and change diapers, being in the center of God's will is the best place you can possibly be. And all of a sudden, God will reintroduce me to those smells of joy that come <laughs> from those. Okay? And it, whatever God calls you to do, he has something for each and every one of us here. Natural giftings, spiritual giftings, and the reason we're setting it up, the reason I taught the class this morning, I'm going to teach it every month, the 301 class, we're also going to have the 101 and 201, is we want to equip you to find your, find your mission. And you know what else? When you start to have a mission in the church, church coming to church is so much better. When I used to not be a pastor, I actually would attend church like everybody else here. And I found that when I just sat back in the pew and didn't do anything, I was like, Sunday morning, hmm, I'll go, oh, I guess, because I'm supposed to and I'll feel bad if I don't go. If I was involved, it's like, hey, I'm going. It's ready to go. I'm excited about it. I'm part of the team. And that's why, because that's how you were created. Let's just make a, a, a determination that we are going to seek after what God wants for our lives. We're going to seek after his will, seek after what he has called us to do. Lord, we thank you today. We thank you today, God, that you have called each and every one of us. We thank you, God, that you created us to, on a mission. You created us to work, and it's not going to end even in eternity. You have things for us to do in eternity. I, I don't know what they are, but God, you had stuff for Adam and Eve to do to work the garden. You had things for them to do. And God, you have things for us to do as a church right now. And each person in this building, 
has a part in it, God. Oh, God, work through us today. Help us to become truly devoted followers of you, God. Help us to be connected to God, each other, and our mission, God, that we may know what, we may know what you have for us in the future. And God, remind us that being in your will, using your gifts, and doing what you're telling us to do is the greatest life we can have on this earth. We ask this now in the name of Jesus. Amen. You are dismissed, or you, you can come and see one of our prayer ministers.